Did you ever think it would make it to season three? No. Then why not? I don't know. It's just like like what do you mean like when we first started or like a recent events? When we first started. No. I didn't think we'd make it episode. No? Why not? I thought we'd make it like a little bit, it'd be fine, and then like we'd either get bored with it or like we would just get too busy or something else would happen and we would just yeah. kinda, like drift away from it. So you really you're really the one that's kept us going to I be mean, honest. I mean I've definitely been on extremes at different times. There's been times like when we first started out I was like, Oh, I expect to have fun with it, we'll carry it. Uh, but circumstances may bring us to a point where we That's kinda how I was. I was like, It'll be fun. We'll like we'll get like, you know, a couple episodes out whether we actually go yeah. far with it or not. I don't know. But then it turned into one of those things. It's like, hey, yeah. let's just keep going. Yeah, and it, it did. And we are we are recording. Okay, right? I was gonna ask that before recording. <laughs> hey, everyone, welcome to season three. Season three of, of Carpe Noctum. It's good to be back. I tell you what, it is. I, I did I, miss this. I, I I enjoy doing this. I've missed it, and um, you know, I I we even meant to do this what two weeks ago, one week ago. We, well, we yeah we meant to do it what, we meant to do it two Thursday. weeks ago yeah. because I was gonna I was gone all of last week it just it just got pushed and when it, no. August just disappeared I don't even know where it went like at, on the one hand July feels like a lifetime ago but on the other hand like I don't remember August at all no July was very distinct August was. Here and gosh. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, we're in September now. Yeah. Wait, hold on. We have August was here? Fifth, yeah. Yeah. It was it was a weird it's a, it's it was pump, a quick it's month. Pumpkin spice season. I mean it's 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 starting <laughs> to get into spooktober. Dude, it if it can just get a little cooler. Because mm. it was a hundred and two today. Certainly. You know I, I had happy. I had a conversation the other day. It was the same conversation that took place last year. I wanna say it was might have even been our first, maybe our second episode ever. And it was about uh, candy corn. We, yeah, we do you have talked. I, I do remember we talked about was candy like, corn. Yeah, or, or not candy porn, candy corn. Oh, Jesus Christ, sorry, right, yeah, we're not. <laughs> we're talking about inappropriate stuff here, but come on. Right, let's, let's, let's bring it back. Yeah, let's keep it R, not X. Um, I, I uh, had a conversation. I've always been a big proponent of candy corn, you know. I. I've always. Like, like I'm not against like some days I like it, other days I'm like, eh. I can't say there's ever been a time I've wanted to turn down candy corn. <laughs> that is true. Anytime I see candy corn, I'll usually eat it. Uh, but never am I like, man, I uh, want some candy corn oh, right I now. I am. Usually right around this time of yeah. year, I'm like, time to get some fucking candy corn. I am <laughs> I'm ready for it. It's definitely it's definitely that time of year. Well, we got a great episode planned, per usual. We didn't communicate yeah. much beforehand, but that's how we've always done it. And that's how we'll always do it. Yeah, because we're just here... To have fun with our friends. That's pretty much right. Woo! So, uh, what, what are you drinking this week? Uh, I am drinking a Heffenweizen Wheat Ale from yeah. the Tasting Room series. From the Boulevard Brewing Company. Mm, that's a good one. That's a good one. From the, one of the few beer types that I like. From that same series, I'm drinking the Blonde Ale. I brought the beer this week, ladies and gentlemen, as you can probably guess. Because it's fancy and good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. I'm dying already. That's why you don't drink. Yeah, yeah, sure. That's why you you shouldn't drink, kids. Well, yeah, that's that much. You'll choke on it. All right. What do you want to talk about this week? So, as you know, I think it was two weeks ago, 
the brand new Star Wars Episode Nine trailer dropped. Yes, I didn't know that. Yeah, you didn't know that. You, you informed me. You haven't seen it, so yeah. Let's. I want you. I want you to pull it up. We're gonna watch it real quick, and have some fun facts about who the writer for this movie is. I gotta tell you, this is this is putting me on edge. I'm really excited. Oh, to find out. Just, I mean, I feel like I'm gonna. It's gonna be a letdown. And I may not end up caring, but the way you've pitched it to me, I'm, I'm in it now. All right. That's the trailer. You know, actually, what's what I'm surprised about, what I think is good, is that it actually like had mention and involvement from the, the prequels. Yeah. Which, but you notice were like people, significantly yeah. shorter than the originals. Yeah, yeah they were. But there's you like know, quick shot of each. With quick with reason, with you know, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, at least they had some. They weren't trying to distance and detach it's themselves true. from them entirely, which, you know, I was actually kind of surprised about. It's true. So, the scenes themselves, they look okay. I'm interested to see if Sith Ray is an actual thing or if it's just, yeah. like, some stupid vision. I hope it's legit because that just makes it cooler, in my opinion. Yeah. But I don't think they'll do that. Because I'd be very interested if they did. I don't know how they could. I don't know what would happen. Yeah, and of course, uh, Darth Sidious is back. Yes, some my man. how my man. We'll see how that plays in. <laughs> yeah, you heard Darth Vader's breathing. Yeah, not sure what that's about because he's for sure yeah. dead. 
Like, that's not a question. Did you, did you ever see the uh, the Family Guy spoofs of Star Wars? No, I need to. So, can I tell you this? Of course. Bit of a spoiler. Um, <laughs> you're, you're spoiling a Family Guy yeah, show. Yeah. I don't think it matters. Well, this was, I want to say it was Blue Harvest was the episode name. I don't remember for sure. But, uh, so, Family Guy spoofed each uh, original Star Wars. And the one... <laughs> <laughs> the one where Chris Griffin, who's playing Luke Skywalker, meets Darth Vader. And, you know, he has a change of heart in there. And Darth Vader says, take off my mask so that I may look upon you with my real eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, which is something that happens in the movie. Yeah. In the episode, <laughs> Chris goes to take it off and snaps his neck accidentally. <laughs> And then he's like, oh no, uh, he's dead from something someone else did. And then drags his body onto the onto the middle, Millennium Falcon. And I, I thought that was very funny. That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, so the problem is, like, this movie, I don't know where they can go with it. Because there's 12 Rebels left after the last movie. Yeah. The, uh, the First Order doesn't seem... Really, any weaker at all, yeah. like in any aspect at all. Ray got zero training from Luke. Yeah, he was. Luke's, of, he was of no help. Luke's dead. Yeah. Uh, like, what next? Yeah. Like, how's <laughs> how is this getting resolved? Yeah. Uh, um, and so this is where we kind of want to bring up. Uh, so the there's like two writers for this. J.J. Abrams, who is also directing it, who's. Right. Like, he has some good movies. I enjoy J.J. Abrams' movies. Like, they're pretty decent movies. And then the other writer is, is a man named Chris Terrio. And when Chris Terrio. Chris Terrio, and would you like to know the latest two movies he's worked on? I, uh, sure. Batman vs. Superman. Oh, God. And Justice League. So, other... Weren't those also projects J.J. Abrams were, was involved in? I don't believe... Uh, I'm thinking of Zack Snyder. Zach, you're thinking of Zack Snyder. I'm thinking of Zack Snyder. Yes. Well, so he doesn't have the best resume. No. Well, he, he also worked on Argo. But when yeah, you look at the cast that, of Argo, it's that, hard to mess up. Yeah, that movie was good because of Ben Affleck. Yeah, because you even have... even that, it was probably was, still overrated. Oh, because you have... In Argo, you have Ben Affleck, Brian Cranston... Alan Arkin and John Goodman. Yeah, like you could give those four members the worst script in the world, and it would be Oscar worthy. They, yeah, they would try to do something with it. Yeah, they could do something with it. That's a hard. It was thing a good to movie up. too. Yeah. I mean, I think it was a little overrated, but it finally got Ben Affleck his his Oscar, so his first. So mm-hmm. we don't have the 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 best. Track writer. Also, doesn't seem like it. apparently J.J. Abrams was coded as saying something along along the lines of talking about the plot of "Oh, this is the last one. Fuck it." Oh, the actual words he used. <laughs> so, okay, who knows? Yeah, it's like what in the, all the what this movie's gonna be? Oh my god! Because I have no idea. It could be. I don't have high expectations for this movie. At yeah, this point. I, I, the newer Star Wars, I just see a lot of it, a lot of them. Like people lean in one way or another on them, but I feel like for, for all the hype, they're not 
they don't live up to what we we conjure up when we think of Star Wars. No. For the kind of cultural legacy it's created. If, and that's not to say that they're horrible movies, but it's just I like... I mean, the second one was. Well. <laughs> it was, it was god-awful. It's just like, it's not, you know, it's not so like, what I think of. But at the same time, I, 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 I'll be the first to admit I'm not necessarily the biggest Star Wars fan, but I, I can't picture why I have such a positive image of Star Wars anyway. Because people love to make fun of all of them. You know, the prequels are known to be botched. Terrible, yeah. Ter- like, you know, just totally not great. terrible. And then, like, the first original people really liked. And then they make fun of the second ones. No. Maybe they, not as much as no, the, like they, not they, as much as the prequels. No. But, but, I mean, that's the thing. Like, they... Like, back when they were released, like, yeah, it was kind of cheesy, but, I mean, that's a, kind of a project of its time kind of thing. Like, we can look back, oh, that was, like, that was a funny little thing. I mean, but, like, when they came jazz. out, they were, they were, like, like these are amazing. When the right. prequels came out, yeah. eh, people weren't so happy with them. I mean, I'm just thinking of all the jokes that they made in, uh, well, in the Family Guy spoofs, and obviously they're spoofs, so they're going to make fun of them, but there were even some points, um, the first one that comes to mind, whenever, uh, Peter, who plays Han Solo, finds Lois, who plays Leia, amongst the Ewoks. He's like, okay, so they braided your hair, so they don't know anything about much technology. They use stones and sticks, but they understand fine points of cosmetology, (laughs) but they can braid your hair. And she responds like, I know, it's not as good as Jedi. You know, I mean, just like small jabs like that. Obviously, again, it's a spoof. I know it's yeah. supposed to be funny, but like, it's like, how did the three prequels not just completely kind of destroy it with how bad they were? I don't know. I mean, maybe that speaks to how good the I think originals that, I, were. I think it was. It's just like, it's such just like a monument of a, a you know series, like a you know, storyline that it's... Yeah. It made itself almost impossible to get rid of. Because the other thing you, have, you forget about is all of, like the the books that also came out of the Star Wars, all the fan fiction, all like the other yeah. uh, stories, like uh, the video games that came out of it, uh, the other like animated series, like the Clone Wars, which I've heard are, is heard is actually like a, a really really good cartoon series. Yeah, I've heard that. And I've then I think there's another one as well that I've also heard is fantastic as well. So it hasn't just been you know those three movies, the prequels, and uh, the other stuff. It's I mean the the lore of Star Wars is yeah just ridiculous when you get down to it. There's been comics, there's been spinoffs, there's been uh, all these different books and stuff that have come out. Yeah, I guess so that, yeah, it's that's it true. you know for most people it's the movies, but for like the diehard fans, people that like, really enjoy Star Wars, it's just a plethora of. Yeah, that's you know, true. all these all these different types of media. So, like, it hasn't ever been like even after the prequels, like it never died because you had like you know the TV shows coming out, new books and whatnot. So it's never even been like a dead like nothing coming out for it. It's just yeah, nothing as mainstream as the main movies that we're used to. Yeah. So if you had to say whether you're leaning more one way or the other, would you say you're excited? To, to see it? Like, I'm kind of excited to see the clusterfuck <laughs> that it's going to be. Because I don't see how you can really salvage it, except for one <laughs> one video I was watching, these guys were talking about it. He's like, the only like, legit way I can see them truly salvaging this 
is if they pull an end game and go back in time somehow. Mm. And he's like, well, J.J. Abrams, like, he's like, yeah. it's the last movie, you know? Like, they oh haven't done God. it before. I was like, so that's the other thing. Is like, oh, the three new Star Wars movies kind of feel like a Marvel did Star Wars kind of mm-hmm. movie, which doesn't really work with Star Wars. So yeah. So what about you? Are you, are you excited? I mean, I'm I I anticipate it. I anticipate it. Well, I'll enjoy the experience of watching it. You know, I'm unless something changes between them now. I don't anticipate. Uh, seeing it opening weekend i may not even see it in theaters when i see it is when i see it you know i'm not really i i i think i'm going i want to see it that much as as certain as to when i don't i don't think i care enough about that either i mean i don't know if i want to be one of those people that like once it's out on like dvd you know they're gonna have like the whole set every single star wars and I don't know. I may end up getting that, but even uh, on my on my Amazon Prime Video, I have like two of the and just two of the prequels. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to say it's because uh, I was watching them last year. And I watched one, and then something, and I watched the second one, and I think the third was like available on like a streaming service, or the first one was, and then I bought the second two. I don't remember the order, but I didn't buy all three. Um, but I was just, I suddenly had this weird inkling to want to watch them, and so. So you did. <laughs> so I did. I mean, I, I've always been a big defender of uh, uh, Clone Wars because I saw that. I think the weekend it came out for like my whatever I would have been fifth, sixth, whatever birthday that was seventh. I don't know. And I saw it in IMAX. Ooh. And I it was you know the first IMAX movie I'd ever seen too. And I remember as a kid I really liked it. And of course you know you rewatch it you realize how much of a headache Hayden Christensen is. But uh, I I remember really liking it. But you know I was a child. Yeah. You know. <laughs> So I, I am like I default to defending it or to at least to, to liking it because I have positive feelings towards it. But you go back and watch them all. They're like not. Them. I haven't watched them in a long time. Like, we should no, watch them. We should watch them sometimes just because like how. We should we should we should watch them before these this comes out in December. We should, <laughs> yeah, we should do like a, a marathon of like um, all yeah, Star Wars all the Star Wars movies, marathon. including like even like the spinoffs, like yeah. Han Solo and Rogue One, which both are, I enjoyed both of those. I I watched Rogue One. I did not um, see Han Solo. It's actually it's pretty, on Netflix. I, mean, I could watch. Is it, it on Netflix? It's pretty yeah. good. I enjoyed it. I, I heard, mean, it's I heard a, such mixed things about it. I was like, I don't care. I think you saw many, so many mixed things because it came out right after episode eight, mm-hmm. which so many people hated. And they're like, F, uh, you know, Han Solo movie. I thought it was a... I just saw so many... I also saw a lot of mixed things about the casting. I, don't, I thought he did a good job. Like, I, did, I didn't... were so, mad that certain people were in certain roles. I don't know. I don't remember, mm-hmm. but... Like, I, go, I went into it not expecting a whole lot. Like, my expectations were pretty low. Mm-hmm. So when, like... When they when they talked about the idea, I thought, well, that makes sense. That seems like it, it that makes sense for them to do. It seems like it would be a great movie. And then like, I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. I know was, some of my friends like absolutely loved it. I liked how they did, uh, like some of the things. Like I don't know. It's a little bit of a spoiler, but you know his. Uh, oh my goodness, I forget the name. You know Han's like iconic gun. Yes. So, like the way he gets it is just very. 
benign. Yeah. So basically, they're sitting, like they're they're planning a like a, basically a train heist, a uh, space train heist. Mm-hmm. And the, the one guy who's played by oh my gosh, I forgot his name, but he plays uh, Hondo. Oh, uh, Donald Glover. Or... No, 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 no. Um, from uh, or Han Hondo from the Marvel or from Guardians of the Galaxy, blue guy. Oh, Michael Rooker. Yes. What? What? Who were? Who was I thinking? Or who? who Landau. Landau. You were Landau. thinking I was Landau. thinking him. Yeah. Now, you were confused. I was like, I just the yeah. oh, I was like, wait, <laughs> yeah, Han, Han, I think it's Hondu. Anyways, yeah, they're yeah. like sitting around a campfire. He's like, you got a gun? He's like, no, not really. Like pulls, you know, Han's oh, really? iconic gun. He's like, here, you know, and that's use it. this, and that's how he gets. And I was like, that makes honestly like sense. Right. It's like yeah. he doesn't have a oh, here take mine. Doesn't need to be some you know grand like you know he went into a cave and found off some old dead marine that he's like oh yeah i didn't know michael rooker was in i didn't know he he's in it for a little bit yeah that same role because he because he was in what the last or the one before that wasn't he no or am i thinking of uh am i thinking of guardians of the galaxy (laughs) i think you're thinking of guardians of the galaxy (laughs) i'm pretty sure he wasn't in any of the star wars movies until this point really hold on let me hold on I'm, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure he's only in Han Solo. What's the one? This might. This might be Guardians of the Galaxy. He's in where he has this little spike that he whistles. Guardians of the Galaxy. That's Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. Yeah. I couldn't remember. <laughs> They're like completely different movies. I know. But he in one. He's literally a blue dude with no, like a, what a is giant he? glowing gem on his head. What is he in in, in Star Wars? In he's like a pirate. Basically, he, he looks like himself. Yeah, he's like a oh. thief, like a pirate well, smuggling a thief. No, why? I <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Whatever. All yeah. right. I was like, I thought that Moving was like really on. cool. Like the way he was chewy, <laughs> I really enjoyed. Honestly, overall, I thought they did like story wise. I thought it was good. I was like, I I enjoyed it. It doesn't it doesn't try to hit like too hard or hard. It's like, oh yeah, right. this is just a believable story about how you know. Han and Chewie met and how they ended up working for Jabba. Well, I guess I, I should watch it then. That's yeah, not... I thought it was good. I really loved Rogue One as well. Like, every time yeah, I watch it, I like I it more I liked Rogue and more. One. It was just like, so many people died. It was just... Yeah, it was a lot of people <laughs> like, died. Like, like, everyone is dead. Which I liked. I was like... <laughs> By the end of it. But, you know, uh, Jimmy Smith's made an appearance in Rogue One, right? Because he was in the prequels. Which I only connected after I rewatched the prequels after I see Rogue huh. One. I was Which like, that's one? why Jimmy Smith's... Let me bring him on. Yeah, bring him up. No, I can't picture him off the top of my head. He was also in NYPD Blue and Sons of Anarchy. Oh, yeah, he is. Yeah, he was in the prequels. He was, yeah, and he was... Yep, yep, he was in Rogue One, yeah, because he played, he played the same role. Yeah, I, just, I don't remember of, like, what that Leia, role was, uh, but... Yeah, it's like Leia, basically like Leia's Guardian. Bail Organa or something. Yeah, he was the person that, like, I'm pretty sure raised Leia. Yeah. So I, th- I thought that that was kind of a, an interesting con- continuity. I didn't expect that because when I think of... Granted, I didn't really become very familiar with Jimmy Smith until Sons of Anarchy, but I didn't even... Re- you know, when you think of the prequels, you don't think... You think Samuel Jackson, you think Hayden Christian, you think Natalie Portman, you know, you yeah. think of Jimmy Smith, so... Yeah, or Liam Neeson, who played yeah. Qui-Gon, like, oh yeah, Liam Neeson <laughs> was in Star Wars. He was such a significant <laughs> character, too. But, <clears throat> involved in probably the greatest lightsaber fight yes. in Star Wars. Easily, Darth Maul and Obi-Wan versus, Darth Maul versus Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, that fight was incredible. Like, yeah. that, 
Which yeah. is the best thing of a prequel's hands down. Yeah, well, so we'll see what comes of this double lightsaber with this new Star Wars. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Nothing's going to come of it. It's literally in there. It's like, ooh, what's going to happen? Then you go, it's going to be like a five-second vision. And that clip we saw might be like three seconds longer, and that's it. And you're like, no. Guaranteed. <laughs> that's what's going to happen. I know that's what's going to happen. We're all going to be like very disappointed. It looks too cool to be in this movie, <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then also, I don't know if you saw, but uh, uh, they're coming out to Disney Plus. There's a Star Wars TV show coming out called The Mandalorian. Yes. That actually looks fucking awesome. Yeah, so I when when Disney first announced their Disney Plus thing, I was like, you know, just another streaming service that'll be interesting because some original Disney stuff will be on there. Even They even said some of their, like, original... Uh, Disney home movies will be on there, so it'll be interesting seeing some of the stuff I haven't seen like since the late 90s, early 2000s. But um, overall, I was just like, you know, there'll be some, some original content, but it's like, you know, just another streaming service. But it's like, they just keep on saying, oh, this and this and this is going to be on there, and they're creating this Avengers thing. And then, oh, they're doing Avengers thing? Of course they are. Yeah. yeah, well, of course they are. And it's really just like, I mean, seriously, like, Disney owns too much almost they really know? do that was thinking about just like their back catalog it's abs- it's absurd it's insane all of the characters and the franchises that they own it's stupid you know the top like uh, i'm sure you've seen this the top grossing movies like four out of five of them were all disney yeah. so they're like oh what's gonna be better avatar or uh, or Endgame. Well, they're both owned by Disney, so or the Disney, Avatar owned by Disney. Yeah, like, oh, like, Disney, Disney, Disney will be happy. <laughs> Disney doesn't Disney's care. Happy right? no matter what. They're fight, like, fight, fight, fight! Go ahead, keep. Yeah, get. Yeah, get Endgame over there. Yeah, yeah, no, get the Avatar back up there. Yeah, yeah, because oh. now uh, you know. There's like Avatar is coming out money. with like three new movies. Yeah, it's, it's, I thought it was like eight. Yeah, I don't know what it's, it's like, so it's many. A, it's an absurd amount of movies it's, for it's Avatar. Crazy. I think. Yeah, I think James Cameron saw Logan like. He's like, oh no, Endgame's gonna, it's gonna overtake it. I need to make a franchise. Yeah. Eight more avatars. <laughs> what made, what made me a lot of money? Titanic. Well, we already did Titanic two. That didn't work out. There is a Titanic two, apparently. What? Is that still coming out? Is that still a thing? I think. Yeah. Because I heard about it. Yeah. I was Pretty just sure like, what are they? What's the thing <laughs> with that? I mean, Titan. The first one was good, but that's you know that that's another James Cameron movie that's top five and. Yeah. It's, uh, it's just insane. Yeah, it's like it's, it's stupid at this point. Yeah, <laughs> man, it's, it's like well, yeah, and Disney owns Hulu as well. That, they have a significant stake in it. I don't think, I think they, they own it. it. They, I think they own like a majority. Share. Yeah, they own a majority of Hulu. Because I think NBC also owns a stake in it or something. Mm-hmm. But, but I, yeah, I, I saw. I don't know if they're gonna maintain that, or if they're gonna sell it, or. If, or I mean, why gonna, would they get rid of it? Well, they have their own streaming service. I mean, why do they need it? Of course, they, you know. That's, so that a, means that's, a, that, stupid that's a stupid question. Because <laughs> they want it. Why do they need why it? Do they need, why does Disney need a streaming service? Why does Disney need all the top franchises? Why does world? Disney need to own every single form of entertainment that we have? Mm-hmm. Which. It's, 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 it's Disney. I don't know, Disney. man. It's Disney. But yeah, no, I'll probably. My parents are probably going to pick up Disney Plus. But they're gonna drop Netflix, so I'll probably pick up Netflix. I'm sure my parents don't care. I don't even know if they still know that they pay for Netflix. I don't know if they even use it much. Oh, good. I don't think my parents use it much either. That I mean, that's one of the things. If they didn't pay for it, I probably wouldn't use it. 
Because I there's always better movies on HBO, and the series are better on HBO. I mean, there's some really so good I'd, series on Netflix. There are, but I'd rather have HBO. <laughs> Overall, I'd rather have HBO. Hell, I think I'd even rather have Showtime than Netflix, yeah. just because some of the original series are significantly better. Yeah, it's definitely... Netflix has a few of their golden gooses, certainly, but, yeah. like, you know, it's not Westworld. It's not it's what Game of Thrones was. It's, it's not, true. You know... Well, they, to be fair, like, HBO, well, they, they, they will pump a lot of money into, like, one series. Like, I mean, Game yes. of Thrones, like, how much was, like, each episode towards yeah. the end? It was, like, millions, millions of dollars. Episode, yeah. Whereas Netflix, they won't pump that much into one thing, but they'll put out, like, a bunch of stuff. So, yeah, in, like, HBO, you get, like, you'll get one yeah. insanely high-quality show. Well, it used to not be like that with Netflix. They used to, because they had, you know, when they were first starting to create yeah. some original content, you know, and then they did. They started to get, like, we just need to create more original content. They created so much so fast that, like, half of it was garbage. It's true. And I think that was also their, like, throw spaghetti at the wall kind of thing. <laughs> see what sticks. Because, like, that's the one thing I will credit Netflix with is, like, some of these shows are just... The whole thing is absurd, but I I give props to Netflix of like like the, one crazy Netflix. person like I'm like I have a great idea for yeah. a script. And they're like here's some money go go it make just, it. It just makes me think of it like as being like the the vice of streaming networks. Yeah, in that because that's <laughs> probably one of my my two of my absolute favorite shows on Netflix, um, Santa Clarita Diet and Maniac. You watch that? <laughs> Santa Clarita Dude, Diet. Dude, it is. Awesome. I never watched it because I thought it just looked so dumb. But See, I also I love Timothy Oliphant. Yeah. So I was like, maybe. So like I neither neither of those shows without Netflix probably never would have probably been made. Like no. every other studio, I'm like, get out of here. We're not making that. Yeah. So Santa Clarita Diet, like the so the premise of the Santa Clarita Diet is a just super stereotypical white suburban mother living in Santa Clarita, California, who's a realtor. Becomes a zombie, and then the whole family just has to like go around and deal with it. And it is just—it sounds so stupid. It is—it's—it's it's, 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 um, very stupid. It's awesome. I absolutely uh, love it because I was—you're the also, first so, person. Nathan Fillion also makes an appearance. I don't even know who that is. Um, from Firefly, uh, like you, Firefly. You, like, let me just pull the picture. I, I, I think I recall you recommending it. I never watched it. Um, okay, like you... You're the first person that's ever recommended it to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, in... I think the first episode... What was he in? He was in... He's, a, he's been in a lot X, of things. No, that was... He wasn't in uh, X-Files. So what's the thing I'm thinking of? Well, whatever. Firefly? No. Castle? Uh, Castle might be one of them, but I thought there was a show older than that. Let me see. Movies and TV shows. Uh, Castle, The Rookie, Guardians of the Galaxy, Firefly, Santa Clarita, Saving Private Ryan, Serenity, Guardians, The Galaxy Modern Family, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's what I'm thinking of. He's been in a lot. He was in Buffy, I remember that. Uh, and he was in in Drive, Much Ado About Nothing. Yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah, so, like, the first episode, I'm pretty sure he gets eaten by, uh, what's her name? Or by, like, the the main character. And it just kind of... Yeah. Yeah. And it just kind of like it escalates so quickly. And the, I think the best part is that they'll go t- they'll go from talking about you know, hey, we got to kill this guy. Hey, we need to find out what to do with the body. Like straight in, just like oh, like what are we like you know, 
I, I think our daughter's grades are dropping a little bit. We should really do something about that. Mm. Like, they're, I think, oh, because at one point they're talking, like, yeah, when you go bear this by, like, I was like, should we tell our daughter? She's like, no, I don't really want to be that influence on her. Like, I think her grades are dropping. So we, we really want her just to be able to focus on school the most. Let's not involve her in this whole, like, murder thing. You know, there was a gift set on Tumblr I just saw, like, yesterday or the day before that came from that show. And I really wish what it was, but it was it was that kind of a thing. Yeah. Where, where it's just, and the look on Timothy Oliphant's face is just hilarious. I wish I remember what it was, but um, you're you're the only person, not only to recommend it, but even talk about it. It's, it's, it's in my opinion, just like a hidden gem in Netflix. Mm. And they've canceled it for after the oh, third season. They canceled it? it. And I'm so oh, mad because, oh, like, it, it left on such, like, an awesome, like, cliffhanger. It's mm-hmm. so, like, at the end of season two, she, like, accidentally starts a cult. <laughs> accidentally starts a cult. <laughs> Oh no! I started a call. <laughs> Dang it! It's pretty. It's pretty incredible. Oh my god! Where you're like, oh no! Like they're gonna get caught, and then all of a sudden it's just like, I guess we're worshiping her now. And you're like, mm-hmm. what? Yeah. Yeah, like the daughter, like the daughter, and like her friend are just like they're both like absolutely hilarious. Uh, give it a shot, people. I th- it's it's such a great dark humor comedy. And I think that's why I like it so much. Yeah, I mean, I like dark comedy, so, you know, I'm not against checking out at least an episode, I guess. I think you'll like it. Um, well, as uh, we mentioned HBO earlier, uh, something I wanted to talk about. A few weeks ago in in Esquire, they published a uh, an interview with Michael Gandolfini, who is the son of the late James Gandolfini, who played... The legendary Tony Soprano on HBO's The Sopranos. Uh, he passed away in 2013 on when they were on vacation in Italy, and uh, he died in I want to say in June 2013. And then his birthday, he would be 57 if I'm doing my math correctly, is ne- is in is on the 13th, so in a week he would be he would have been 57. So he's a uh, his role as Tony Sopranos is widely regarded as one of the greatest performances in television history. And, of course, The Sopranos itself is regarded as one of the best TV shows in history, largely because of his role as Tony Soprano. And so, uh, not too long ago, I mean long enough ago, uh, they actually announced a Sopranos prequel movie. And the individual who will be playing a young Tony Soprano is actually going to be Michael Gandolfini. Huh. Um, and so the, the interview in Esquire from uh, last month uh, was actually... It was talking to Michael Gandolfini about him opening up because he, for the first time ever, watched The Sopranos. Oh, he never um, watched it before? He had never watched a, a second of it before he started to research his role as Tony Soprano. And... Um, as you could imagine, it'd be pretty emotional. For it him. was incredibly emotional for him. <laughs> I would imagine. So. You know? Yeah. Uh, and we've discussed The Sopranos on this show a number of times. Yeah. Most recently, uh, late last season, our uh, greatest TV shows ever episode, mm-hmm. that ninety-minute episode. Uh, so we don't need to rehash all that. But I, well, I found it very interesting. Um, you know, as a kind of an in-memoriam of James Gandolfini. So among what Michael Gandolfini said, 
there was uh, it, it was interesting because he was trying to look at all of these nuances of the way that he talked of certain things he said and he's trying to capture all that and then there were certain scenes that you know just destroyed him one specifically um Tony Soprano yells at his son AJ in the movie uh, and so to make it up for him he buys AJ a pizza and so they're sitting there uh, near AJ's bed eating the pizza and James Gandolfini says I couldn't ask for a better son oh, yeah and <laughs> Michael Gandolfini said in his interview I just knew he was talking to me in that scene so you know you can imagine, yeah, you know, I can imagine the like, role that having just like Every 10 minutes, just like pause and just like yeah. cry a little bit. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And he said it, it was made even worse because he didn't watch it. He was researching Rolly. He watched it alone in a dark apartment. <sighs> that and, and Yeah. I can only imagine what he was feeling. I mean, to have a father like that with a role like that. A role that did challenge his family in a number of ways. I mean, uh, back when The Sopranos was still airing. And then, of course, around his death, it was rehashed. The number of issues that James Gandolfini had on a personal level portraying a character like that, I mean, it impacted his family as well, you know? Um, and you see that with a lot of anti-hero type characters. I mean, John Hamm even said, for as great as Don Draper was, he was happy to be done playing with him because he's like, how could I... Why would I want to keep that kind of darkness? Why would I want to keep portraying that is what... John Hamm once said in an interview. And so James Gandolfini was like the same way. He was like dealing with all these these demons just from playing the role of such a dark and conflicted character like Tony Soprano. So uh, so to see that and, I mean, to have that be your dad and to never have watched a, even a second of the show, I mean, it's great. It's obviously very important role research. But Yeah. <laughs> My goodness. Uh, it was... Uh, I'm rewatching the series right now, and Dylan came over and saw it, walked in on me watching it, and so he, uh, we watched what, like 20 minutes of it, and then we started yeah. doing this. So I mean, it's that's it's still a series that holds up, you know. It it always will be, you know. There are going to be some series that you you know you watch and you just kind of it's great for the time, and then you move on, and better stuff comes up or stuff that's even more relevant comes up. But with a show like Sopranos. It's uh, never going to be irrelevant. And uh, shortly, actually, uh, recently, I want to say uh, either earlier this year or last year, when they announced that the prequel was coming out, um, all the characters were kind of were there for the announcement. They are from the TV show, The Sopranos. They were all there, and uh, they were all, most of them all mentioned James and him dying and... Now his his presence is still felt there, and it certainly is weighing that it's not there anymore. But uh, and it was really interesting seeing all these people, like you know, ten, eleven, I think twelve. If it was if it was this year, twelve. Last year, eleven. Years after it all aired, and all these people coming together. It was really funny seeing some of these people that even some of the minor characters and their roles they still showed up here. It was really interesting rehashing it, but it's definitely a, a movie I'm interested in, in seeing. It comes out next September, September okay. uh, 2020. So I'm definitely that'll be a movie I go see. Yeah. Opening day, <laughs> <laughs> if not sooner, if I can pull it. 
Next thing we're going to talk about comes from The New Yorker. Are you familiar with The New Yorker, Dylan? The newspaper? The magazine. Oh, the magazine. Sorry. Yes, it's a God. weekly publication. My allergies from a cat. Oh, he hasn't even touched eyes. you. God. I don't think that that's a cat. I think maybe you're just a gross person and you got <laughs> yeah. shit on your eyes or something. <laughs> con- I have contacts on my eyes. They have not even come near you today. They yeah, have... I, still, I still... Anyways, New Yorker. Whatever. Beautiful New York. weekly publication. Okay. With the uh, the trademark cartoons, you know, that's, I'm sure you've seen them. The Probably. New Yorker cartoons. Um, Family Guy made a joke. Uh, the New Yorker calls them illustrated laughing squares. Ha ha ha. So, but, you know, you know one of the, one of the things I love to do most on this show is bitch about journalism. That is true. That's like, that like your number one thing to do. You yeah. love it. It's comes to, so many conversations turn into politics and, and Free speech in some way and, communications or journalism. I mean, it's, it's um, almost like you have a degree in it's like almost, communications. Yeah, almost. Uh, so, uh, the New Yorker Fest, the New Yorker Festival, uh, it started in, in 2000. Um, as a way, it was the New Yorker's 75th anniversary in 2000. And so it was kind of like, originally like a party to celebrate. Lawnmowers. I hate when they do this. It's 7 p.m. And they're out there fucking mowing. <laughs> anyway. Uh, we just have to keep on going. Yeah, hopefully you guys can hear that. Um, we can. Yeah, we can. We can hear that. <laughs> Um, so anyway, yeah, it started as a party to celebrate the New Yorker's 75th anniversary, but it has since, in their words, become a landmark cultural event. Huh? I know. It's, it's, I've never even heard of it. I know. It's a pretty big deal. Um, Maybe to them. Yeah, yeah well, that's, that's what we're going to talk about. But it brings together the biggest names, as I'm reading from their website, it brings together the biggest names in news, politics, books, film, music, art, and popular culture for three days of events, from panels and live performances to intimate discussions and exclusive screenings. So it's actually like a pretty solid event. Like if okay. I could go, I absolutely would. There, so the, their pre-sale starts in four days, and if I, I mean, I, 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 if I could buy, I, I'm sure I could get a ticket. As far as getting to New York to go is another story, but uh, yeah, I, I would definitely go if I could. Um, but but uh, just yesterday, the New Yorker Fest Twitter account, which was retweeted by the New Yorker Twitter account, posted um, not a comprehensive list, but a, a long list of some of the featured speakers and some prominent presence that will be there, um, the, such as... Uh, you know, some people like you've heard of, but maybe you're not the biggest fan of. So, like, Bonnie Iver, he'll be there. Mm. You don't know who that is? No idea. <laughs> he's a musician? Well, it's okay. actually, I think it's a band, and he, whatever. He's a he's a hipster screwball. Um, <laughs> Keenan Thompson, you know, so from Saturday Night Live. So, it's kind of like some people are like, oh, yeah, I know that guy, or I know that guy. But then it also has a lot bigger names, like Paul Rudd and okay. Sarah Silverman. Okay. Um, and Dua Willem Dafoe. Oh wow! Okay. And Dua Lipa. Dua Lipa. Sorry, 
do a lead. Oh, like she's a musician. Okay. Quote unquote musician. Uh, she did the uh, theme music, the swan song for Alita Battle Angel. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was her song. Um, she, which we have had on an episode. Mm, we did talk uh, about this Alita. podcast, yeah. Um, Good movie. It was, yeah, it was another <laughs> But, yeah, so, so, you know, very prominent celebrities. Um, it also has Mayor Pete Buttigieg running for uh, the Democratic nomination for presidency. Um, Julian and Joaquin Castro. Julian is, of course, running for his presidency. And then, of course, they'll probably end up having even more, because right now it just says more than a hundred others. They may even have even, like, more prominent position, uh, politicians. And then, amongst all of these, are names you may not have heard of. Oh, Nancy Pelosi. That's another one. She'll be there. Okay. Speaker, Speaker of the House. Okay. Nancy Pelosi. But then, <laughs> there's, there's, uh, there's journalists and authors, you know, uh, David Remnick. He's been with the New Yorker since the 90s. Ronan Farrow. He's probably a more well-known journalist with the New Yorker because he was one of the people that like broke some of the allegations against uh, Harvey Weinstein. Um, but then but then there's even some others, names that I don't even recognize. Uh, Emily Nussbaum, I recognize her. But, uh, you know, other people who write for the New Yorker that like I don't even recognize. So what I, what I thought was, was really interesting, as you just pointed out to me, it is alphabetical order. So all these names... Seemingly scattered is some of them were musicians, some were authors, politicians. Nonetheless, alphabetical order by last name, unless it's a band. What I thought was interesting, it's all these names. Would you say that Emily Nussbaum... Who? Exactly. Do you think she should be in the same kind of category as Nancy Pelosi? With, like, category of, like, being a politician and being just, like, a... Being a person of prominence. No, absolutely not. What about <laughs> plus he's like <laughs> plus he's the speaker of the house? What about David Remnick? Should he be in the same category as Paul Rudd? Who's David Remnick? Exactly, right? It's Paul Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. It's Paul Rudd. Now, if you read the New York, hell, even if you read the New Yorker, you might not have heard of him because David Remnick is the host of the New Yorker Radio Hour, which is a podcast. I didn't even know they had a podcast. They have they have several. They have a podcast that the New Yorker Radio Hour is co-produced with WNYC, which is a prominent NPR station in New York. So this glorified podcast host, a man of prominence in media, I'll give him that much, but a celebrity? No. No, right? People aren't going to pay money to go, like, to see him. They're like, oh, cool, he's there too. And and if it doesn't conflict with the panel with Paul Rudd, I'll go go see see him, him, you know? If it's it's between, like, Nancy Pelosi or Remnick, like, oh, well, I guess I'm not seeing Remnick. Yeah, it's it's (laughs) one of those things. And and same with, like, uh, I mean, even even Paul Rudd, or let's say we go with Sarah Silverman just so we can stop, you know, talking about Paul Rudd. We go with Sarah Silverman. Or no, let's go with my favorite, Willem Dafoe. Let's, Dude, gonna, I, I, I would go say, see Willem yeah, Dafoe. Yeah, I, I would want to go see I would Willem absolutely Dafoe. like to shake Willem Dafoe's hand. Are you kidding me? But are we going to say Willem Dafoe is in the same category as me, Mayor Pete Buttigieg, someone running for presidency? Like, <laughs> what a funny last name. The, yeah, I know. This, is, <laughs> this has always been one of my issues, and I feel like it's a pretty common issue that people have with journalistic circles. And that it's, it's, it's part of kind of this elitist zeal. 
you know. That, okay, I was gonna say like a lot of these names that you're like, oh, he's the blah 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 for the New York. I'm like, who the fuck is? Yes. <laughs> like I was gonna say, I was like, well, except if you for like, don't read the New Yorker, you don't care. I'm yeah, sure if you're you not like that, like like niche kind yeah. of like elitist like circle, like who the fuck? Well, and that's and that, knows these that's people. Part of the problem, like there is this this journalist who has an undergraduate degree from their local state college in journalism that wound up working at maybe a, a prominent publication like the New Yorker, like the, like the New York Times or Washington Post or whatever, that suddenly squeezes their way into this kind of elitist circle that's usually reserved for the most powerful people in the country. You know, and and that power is both political and then also cultural as far as celebrities. The fact that politicians and celebrities rub elbows as much as they do is, I think, just as problematic. But speaking, oh, absolutely, of, yeah. Speaking of journalists, the, the only thing that most journalists lack is the money. But as far as the social standing, as far as their contacts and who they know, it's not all that far off because because of events like this that seem to put them on the same stage. And at the same level, I mean, a a professor at a prominent think tank and university who has done years of, of research or something, he puts out a report or publishes a study or something in a journal that doesn't get picked up by the mainstream media. He's incredibly intelligent, well-informed individual and authority in his field. You're not, you'll never know his name, but some undergraduate with a journalism degree is. <laughs> can write about that or, or write about something completely different and you'll know that person's name as if they are the authority as yeah. if the journalists themselves are the Never authority despite the fact that they may be writing about someone else's that they research. have yeah they have no they may not even understand the research no, but exactly, they write about yeah they, they they take they talk to experts which you know they, it's not like they cover that up they'll say according to this person or to this study you know so they refer to it but they they might read a synopsis or an overview of a study and run run with that you know so the idea that david remnick or or emily nussbaum that they're going to be on the same stage sharing the same kind of limelight as people like either the castro brothers or any of the celebrities or politicians, I I have always found problematic. I mean, these are supposed to people supposed to be people that aren't rubbing elbows like they're all best friends, part of the same circle. I mean, first off, that's one of the reasons that Trump, whenever he complains about the media, I mean, it's in that kind of standing that it's it, it's that kind of elitism, it's that kind of coastal town elitism oh yeah that all of these people are part of the same circles that's why anytime like a celebrity gets up and says something about like politics or anything like that I'm like you have no room to talk you are so far removed you're so from far the average day the american of someone yeah. who like gets up six you know six a.m goes to work works you know eight and a half nine hours goes home and you know just like does normal things with their life you are so far removed from yeah. them that you you don't have any room to speak on to say what the average American yeah. wants. And you are not the average American by any stretch of the imagination. And I, I I mentioned earlier, I mean, it's no secret there's not at least for the average reporter, there's not exactly a lot of money in journalism. Now if you're a, an anchor on CNN or MSNBC, you're yeah. a millionaire. But if you are a uh, a staff writer for the Times or something, you know, you're not making much, you know. 
you're you're making enough to survive, obviously, because they survive. But like, if you go anywhere or do anything, it's usually because your your uh, employer's paying for it. You know. Yeah. And, and so even with that in mind. The disconnect is sometimes astounding. I mean, I remember I saw this tweet from a New York Times reporter who, who was in Iowa uh, covering something for um, some kind of... It was a campaign, but I don't think it was... It wasn't 2020. I think it was actually a, a, a state election. And um, she was complaining that the local Walmart didn't have almond milk. Oh, boo-hoo. Yeah. <laughs> and she was like, oh my God, how do these people live? I'm like, I hope she hear yourself. I, I like, want to give her the benefit of the doubt and think that she was being facetious. I mean, I don't. I mean, enough people jumped on her. I mean, even some other, even some other journalists that like said this is really tone deaf. I mean, she, she never said she was kidding. I mean, maybe she was, but it, it is it is that hilarious that it's almost like I hope you are. Yeah, I hope it's like a tongue in cheek kind <laughs> of thing. Like, oh no, they don't have almond milk. What am I gonna do? But if it was like a legit, how can these people not live? Like live without <laughs> almond milk. Like we've been doing it long before yeah. almond milk was ever invented. Yeah. I think you'll survive. And most most people are, are just okay with never having consumed almond milk. And yeah. I, I say that as someone who, who drinks it, who has I've almond never milk. Actually, I've never actually. I don't drink milk. So. Well, I don't. I only. I only drink alternative milk. I don't yeah. drink normal milk. Not anymore. But uh. Either way, it's just one of those things that's just super tone deaf. Like these, so that's kind of something like people have asked, uh, like uh, Bill Gates, like how much does a gallon of milk cost? And he has no idea because he doesn't do that. He doesn't do his own shopping. He has people do it for him. He's kind of disconnected from his more, his yeah. more, his poor days. Um, and it's almost, it's kind of that same kind of tone deaf elitism that makes you so kind of disconnect yeah you know i mean the fact that they're on this list i'm not saying is the new yorker saying oh we are all the same i'm not saying that but the new yorker of all outlets is kind of a pretentious outlet you yes know? like it's it, it's kind of in your it's a little on the nose um and now that being said i'm i'm looking forward to some of these panels i i think some of them will end up on youtube but you know, I, I think it would be a great festival to attend, but, you know, these journalists are not celebrities, and they often act like it. They often act like they themselves are celebrities. And some of them, unfortunately, have become celebrities to the point where they've kind of become uh, immune to journalistic malpractice, you know. Being best friends with someone that you're supposed to cover isn't as as cringeworthy as it probably should be to some of these people. No, I agree. I think they... When it sounds like they're confusing access to prominent people with actual yeah. prominence. And I know that and I know that, that can be a, a tough line because like you, you need to be friendly with them yeah. so that you can maintain some yeah. level of access. But like... Like, so one example, the, one of the first ones that comes to mind to talk about a, an instance where this happens in conservative media, um, Barry Weiss, who is a right, I would describe her as a right-leaning, um, at least by today's standards, a right-leaning columnist for the Times. Uh, she has been friends with the uh, McCain family for years, and she continues to refer to Meghan McCain as one of her closest friends. 
And so I, I'll see them interacting on Twitter. I'm like, this is a celebrity, the daughter of one of the most prominent politicians in the state or in the country, and she herself is a celebrity on a talk show that on this, I think The View, isn't that Daily? I don't or, know. I don't watch the news shouldn't anymore. shouldn't even exist anymore. But, um, you know, so, but, but we're supposed to believe that Barry Weiss is going to be this authoritative figure on certain issues when, at least specifically when it comes to the McCains, um, she doesn't really exercise much reason to believe that she has any kind of detachment at all. And I understand, you know, humans are humans. You no, know, there's no such thing as an unbiased person. We all come with our worldviews and our pre, uh, pre, conceptions, yeah. predispos, yeah, predispositions. I don't, I understand that. But when you're more interested in getting retweets on Twitter and creating a, an audience for yourself than you are and creating anything meaningful as a journalist, it's hard to take you and kind of by extension your outlet seriously. That's that's how I've experienced it. But nonetheless, I enjoy the New Yorker Radio Hour. It's not like I'm not a fan of David Remnick and it's not like I want to you know shit on him the, this entire time. <laughs> These are journalists I like, but I also am very conscious about differentiating them. David Remnick is not a celebrity. He, I, I could agree with maybe he's like a man of prominence, at least within media. I can, yeah. you know, I can see that. Um, he's not a celebrity, and he's not supposed to be. But they usually, a lot of journalists act like it. Because who wouldn't want it? Who wouldn't want that kind of attention and that kind of prominence? But, like, you can do that, but I'm really going to, as far as your... Uh, Journalistic integrity goes. I'm gonna lose a lot of respect. A lot of I'm not gonna put a lot of stock in you. Like oh, yeah. you know, you can you can write whatever you want and associate who, with whoever you want. But next time Barry Weiss writes an article on the, the McCain's or something, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be. You're gonna like, question oh, yeah. it a little bit more. Like yeah. this is definitely a, a balanced, <laughs> fair and balanced, fair and balanced. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like every single time Sean Hannity or Tucker Carlson opens about them Fox News, like. We all know it's nonsense, and it's because these people who are more celebrity than they are journalists, they are talking heads, and they're much more open about it. And, you know, it's a lot more straightforward, I think, with some of the some uh, cable news hosts. But, in a way, people like Barry Weiss or even people like Maggie Haberman from the New York Times are not too different, to be honest, from the talking head hacks at the cable news networks. Yeah, I don't know. I hate I hate like all of cable news. Yeah, cable Cur- news currently like, it's cable news is a joke anymore. I mean, I, I feel even even a lot of journalists know that. Like, if you want real journalism, go to a print outlet. Yeah, because even that, even as much as I love to crap on like the Washington Post, there's still some great journalism coming out of there. Same with same with the New York Times. But I mean, I don't yeah. remember the last thing that <laughs> Fox News or CNN broke that was of meaning. On yeah. any level. No, I don't remember. Like, I've never... You know... They're jokes. Yeah. This you point. open up Fox News or CNN, and there's, like, an active shooter situation, and you want to follow it in real time. But even that... I mean, even print outlets are a lot further than they used to be in updating people in real time. It's not visual, so that... You want to watch cable news, that makes sense. But outside of that, like, there's no... Yeah. There's nothing good that comes I, out of cable news. No, it's it's too. They're like, oh, this is a story. This might be a story. We have a potentiality even, of a story. Run it. 
even watching, I mean, like, I, I can't, I can only put up with it so much, but even like when you attempt it and they will bring on these experts or whatever in, in this certain field or speaking of this certain news event, I mean, it's just a bunch of blabbering, people talking over each other, a bunch of, a bunch of hack talking points. It's all the same nonsense. And, and that's, whether you're on CNN or Fox News, it's just... They're both awful. It's just crap. Non-stop crap. I mean, there's so there's still a lot of good journalism in print outlets. So, I've always I've always been a prominent. I've always said subscribe to your local paper or to a national publication. Everyone should. Every American should have at least one. I probably should. One, even if it's a niche one that you care about. I mean, go for it. Definitely support support journalism. And don't watch cable news. Don't do it. Don't support. <laughs> Don't support news. that it's, reality it's TV trash. show crap. It's all just hype, pomp, and circumstance. Yeah, it's all crap. It's just, it, it just wants the views. It wants the clicks, basically. <sighs> okay, Dylan, you said you no, were gone last week. No, or the week sad. before. I'm sorry. No, well, that's sorry. why we're moving on. <laughs> we're we're more talk. happy thing. Yeah. Uh, well, this last week you Last said? week. Where, so where last week you? I went on uh, vacation. So earlier this year, my brother graduated college, and for his graduation present, he wanted to go on a black bear hunt. A black bear hunt. Hunt. All right. So it's a preface. So I'm originally from Alaska, which is known for you know its fishing and its big game hunts. Mm-hmm. And we'd never been on a black bear hunt. My brother was like, I want to go on one finally. I want to go on a black bear hunt. So my dad settled up with... Uh, with a, a, a charter. Like, he, like, he's a good friend with, like, all the people that, like, run the charter. So, he got us a really good deal. Like, he knew the guys. So, like, we knew we were going to be taken care of, like, the whole time we were there. It was a fantastic trip, like, all around. They took, like, great care of us with, like, food and, like, shelter. So, I assume this, this happened in Alaska. <laughs> this happened in Alaska, okay. yeah. So, I went back home to Alaska. And we went to uh, Homer. Got on a boat. Drove out, uh, like, three miles along the coast of Alaska. Like, so, we slept on the boat. And then, during the day, they would... Uh, Boat us onto land, just like middle of nowhere, Alaska. <laughs> we hiked in for like three miles, like found a spot we wanted to camp, basically. Sat there for ten hours, got our black bear, brought it back, and then did the same thing for like three days. And it was awesome. So I got so a black bear. did get. So my brother got a black bear, and I got a black bear. Oh, really? Yes. It was it was fantastic. It was a lot, a lot of fun. Absolutely gorgeous weather. Uh, some great stories. Like, overall, it was just like an awesome, awesome trip. You know, we're going to lose some uh, some vegan or anti-hunting... Uh, oh, for sure. ...audience members. <laughs> <laughs> for the record, I don't condone it, so stay here for me. Hunting? I just said I didn't condone it. I didn't say you oh. condone it. I just said I didn't condone it. <laughs> okay. Um, that sounds like it would be an interesting life experience. I mean, oh. even without the hunting, it seems like it would be really cool. Yeah. But we also caught a lot of fish as well, which was great. Yeah. A lot of salmon and halibut, which I brought some back. So if you... Want a mm. fresh Alaskan uh, salmon fillet? I mean, it's not quite as fresh now, but okay, it's like what four days old. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, it's, more... <laughs> it's better than anything you're gonna go to and like get at these places that get their farmed fish or their you know. Well, I got whatever. Fish. It's all wild caught. Okay, that's a wild. <laughs> Still, like four days. It's not processed or anything. Uh, well. Well, some of it's not. Some of it's the mm-hmm. whole fish. I bought a whole fish today. It was on, it's on sale at Whole Foods. It's a prime deal. It's free. It's cheaper than yeah, any see, salmon. Now that, see, it's now free it. wild Alaskan salmon. Yeah, it's cheaper yeah. than anything. Even if I sold it to you for like 
you know, a couple bucks, it'd still be cheaper than anything you found yeah, at like Whole Foods. Salmon's expensive. Uh, no, it's, it is. It is. I think I, I think I looked and it was like the price of like a king salmon. It was like, oh, it was like twenty dollars a pound. That sounds about right. I brought back I brought back fifty pounds of fish. Oh my god! And How, I was like barely a day. Did you fly dip. that back here? Did you drive? Yeah. So I, I basically I threw it all in a cooler, duct taped it up, slapped the frozen label on it, and checked it as a baggage. You can do that. Yeah, so like, th- so this is the what? Th- yeah, so this is the thing. So like, that is. <laughs> I didn't know you could do that. Yeah, it's totally fine. So also, I should preface like the airline I fly with is Alaska Airlines, right. and they do this like all the time. Really? Like I had a cooler, and the lady's like, "All right, like, what do you got?" And I was like, "Oh, some frozen fish." She's like, "Okay," took a frozen label out, slapped it on there, and throw it on the conveyor belt. So like every Alaskan that does like this fishing stuff, every single one I've ever met, basically they have this like one cooler. That's like beat to hell uh-huh. that they use to transport their fish in because uh-huh. they're usually like fly some out fish and then bring it back. So yeah, it's just like it's well, just okay. Well then that's better. I thought you were gonna like squeeze a fish into like a checked bag with like some ice wrapped in plastic, no. freeze dry or some shit. No, it's so, like all like all the fish like what we. Well, do I feel is, better about it now. Like man. we uh like they're all like we all already filleted them, had them in a uh, vacuum, like they're all vacuum sealed. Mm-hmm. They were just like straight like they're boxed of ice at that point. Threw them in the cooler, taped them up brought them back down with me and put them in my freezer. And that's just like, that's just, that's what people do. And so, to, so the funniest thing that I've experienced is just like telling people like my experiences that like I've, I've done. Cause like back home, you're like, oh yeah, I'm going on a bear hunt. Everyone's like, oh cool. You know, good luck. Hope you get a bear. Right. You know, let us know how it goes. And it's like, oh yeah. And, you know, we brought all the deck down. And like, oh yeah, cool. You know, that's just, you know, that's what you do. It's like just completely normal. It's just right. like what you do up there. Yeah. Down here. Like, oh, like, I'm going to make sure like, oh, I'm like, oh, I'm going on a black bear hunt. They're like, you're what? <laughs> going on a black bear So hunt. what did like, you do with the bears? Did you eat them? Because we took, them? so we took some of the meat. Did you bring it back? It no. So bear meat, fuck, so bear meat actually turns out is like, it's fall bear meat is not good meat. So a lot of the processing plants like won't even take bear meat if like you bring them to make sausages and whatnot. So we took some of it and like we gave it away. Uh, I gave it to some other people that had wanted it, and then like took the furs ourselves, and then mm. fished a bunch. So. So you didn't even eat much of it. No, which I don't feel great about. I was gonna say but... now now you're really gonna piss some anti hunters off. Is <laughs> it like well, okay if you're gonna eat it? Yeah. So, but you did bring. I'm assuming you brought the fur home. It's back home, and we're gonna we're gonna get a taxidermy back home. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you didn't just bring like the skin back, the hide, or whatever. You no, you have, what to, get, you have to get the thing like processed. What's it called? Is it uh, skin, the skin. Or, yeah, just the skin. Well, I'm glad it was a great experience. Definitely sounds pretty great. So. I mean, like this is like. Why so, have you never been on one? I just you, never went. I think I was it's always. Funny that you well, I was always busy moved. with other stuff going off. Like my dad always went on them, but like we always did. It's so like my last three years of high school, I was gone like the entire summer, and then we always before that we'd always done like a really big fishing trip, and so that was kind of like our, our big thing. And my dad had done like constant, but he's like ever since he retired, he's been doing it more and more and more, and so we just didn't always have like the time or the money to go do it. But not like we kind of do so. So like he's like oh it's so, like it's it's not cheap. I'm sure it's like else like the bear like the bear tag alone to get one bear tag and this is also like a very very highly regulated thing especially in Alaska right so it's not like we're destroying the population like fishing game is like very specific about like these tags and like all this stuff uh, so the the hunting license plus the bear tag alone to get to get one black bear was six hundred and eighty dollars. Yeah. 
That was just the, the chance to get one bear. That's not including like the the plane cost, the ticket, the plane ticket, the the charter, the gear, the, like the guns, the ammo, like. For a normal person, because we got a really good deal. My parents helped me pay my way up there. Like, this is, like, thousands of dollars right. for this, like, one trip. So. So did you have to, because you killed two bears, right? I killed one bear and my brother caught, killed one bear So as well. you have to get, like, one tag for each one? or So a resident can get, so, like, their cost for their tag, I think it's, it's around the same, but they can get three black bears. Uh, out-of-state residents, because I'm out-of-state now, it's one. So what about your brother? Is he in state or? Yeah, he's still in state technically. He got one bear. Oh, okay. So yeah. There you go. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you had fun. <laughs> Sounds like a great experience. It's pretty crazy. I definitely will. Uh, I'll come steal some fish. Definitely. And I won't even ask. I'm just gonna take. Come, food. come and steal it. Yeah. Well, you know, I I need meat. You know, meat's expensive. My little fish today, it was one pound. It cost me like eight dollars, nine dollars, four tax. Yeah, see, I so right, like, it was the whole fish. I mean, I bought the yeah. whole thing, minus the guts. It was the whole fish because I'm gonna do something with the head. But yeah, my uh, so like, growing up in Alaska, like I've been so spoiled with fish, <laughs> like like king salmon and halibut. Right. I refuse to eat any any fish in the south. Like if I didn't catch it, or I don't know who caught it. I won't eat it. Well, you know, you and I have talked about that before, and I hate you for that. <laughs> because I understand it, especially with a number of the places, but there's like a few that I think you should make the exception for. No. Nah. Yes. No. Pearls is one of them. No. Especially in the middle of fucking Oklahoma. Yeah, but it comes up from the Gulf. Most of it was caught the day before at the latest. No, not going to do it. Oh, my God, whatever. I'm not going to do it. Well, even Oklahoma, I mean, what about the south, the south? Like, some of the best seafood you'll ever eat is caught in the Gulf, and you'll eat it in Louisiana or Mississippi. It's like, it's like the, it's the one food, like, I am just unbelievably picky about, and I just, I'm just not going to change it. I mean, whatever. Not going to change it. Best and worst of the week. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, my best of the week, uh, it was actually, it was during our uh, bear hunting trip, where, so my brother, uh, he, like, bought this, like, camel hat to go hunting in. And we, just like a normal, like, uh, you know, kind of like trucker hat. And on the way to where we were going, we, like, the boat was, like, going at decent speed. And, like, he went out on, like, the, like, the balcony deck that was, like, around the top of the boat. And he was, like, taking a picture, just, like, chilling out. And his hat flew off, like, 30 minutes from where we were going to stop. And he was, like, went straight to the ocean. He was, like, ah, it's, like, oh, I lost, like, I lost my hat. I'm really sad. Like, I really like that hat. Three days later. <laughs> what? <laughs> Uh, the guy, our, our guy, or not our guide, but the boat captain comes and picks us up and he's wearing my brother's hat. He's like, you won't <laughs> guess what we, f- what someone found. What? He's like, another captain of mine who's like, he, he come into, he'd come into the same area. <laughs> he's like, saw this hat in the water, threw the boat in no- neutral, like had his whole, basically caused his entire crew to like fall over like the sudden stop and had them pick up the hat from the middle of the ocean and brought in and was like hey have you were you guys missing the hat and they're like what? we were what like, here you go and it was my brother's hat oh my god like three what? days later oh the absurdity i was like that's insane that's wow that's crazy so that that was like that was easily just like the best of the week so, like it was like three three four days later they're like oh yeah here's there's Here's that hat, hat you lost yeah. in the middle of the ocean. 
Wow. Um, I don't think I have a best. I can't think of one, at least. It's no, been pretty... It's been uh, pretty straight and narrow. Um, I mean, it doesn't have to be best, just best well, since I mean, we last okay. recorded. So I have a... I, uh, since we last recorded, I'm sure... I don't mm-hmm. know. I have something that's funny. So it could be counted as best, but I want to say it's not a good thing. So, <laughs> so, um, so if you read either on CNN earlier today or if you heard it on NPR today, um, Oklahoma is in the top five states uh, for death rates pretty much across the board. All right, well then. Yeah. <laughs> cool. And in some cases, I, I want to say it was it was twenty to forty four or twenty two to forty four. It was more than double that of states like California or Connecticut, some of the healthier states. More than double the death rates from I mean any manner of heart disease, whatever. So Governor Stitt's goal to make Oklahoma a top ten state. I mean we're top five. Dude, we're top in five that. in deaths. Yeah. Let's go. Uh, what, but one of the things I thought was interesting was actually uh, Latinos have lower death rates than both white and black people in this state. Just in Oklahoma, or also well, in Oklahoma is what they're referencing. And hmm. that was I don't I don't know about the other states. I just caught that and that I heard on, on NPR just a few hours ago. But hmm. um. I thought that was interesting because we often talk about, like, there are some, whether it's, like, certain diseases or uh, certain health issues that are more likely to happen to people of color or so on. I, I don't remember the last time I heard that Latinos were, at least, uh, certainly in a state like this where everything is so screwed up, um, that they had significantly lower death rates hmm. on average. But yeah, so not a good thing. But I thought it was funny. Yeah, you know. So, you know uh, so we can say that's the best of the week. <laughs> it's the best of the week that we're all dying. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, I need to move. <laughs> yeah. You and me both. Um, and then worst of the week. Oh, what's your worst of the week? It's my worst of the week. It was a quick little headline that I saw and read like a few minutes ago. I haven't done like research on that. I hope it's real. But apparently, sure there was. <laughs> who cares? Even if it's not real, it's still, about fake news. still pretty dang funny <laughs> if it's true or not. Uh, apparently, there was a uh, a drug bust where the there were cops posing as drug dealers and other cops posing as drug buyers. The drug buyer, the the fake buyers went to the fake sellers, and they ended up trying to arrest each other. You know, I I remember that. I didn't think that that was recent, unless it happened again, which is totally. Possible. No, maybe it was recent, but I even but I, I just learned about that, it, and that is. I've seen that in the past. I, pretty amazing. I thought it was hilarious. I think the one I saw was out of Detroit. Okay. Which is hilarious. Actually, now now that I think about it, so there was a there was a, a best of the week, and and per the best stuff we talk about on this show, it's political. Um, of course. So, uh, I don't know if you heard, but I want to say yesterday, a federal judge in the East District of Virginia, um, in a 32-page opinion, ruled that the FBI and DHS database on uh, suspected terrorists was unconstitutional. Hmm. Um, so, the database that's like, it's... Essentially, known or suspected terrorists. Um, Is that just like the the list of all citizens in the yes. United States at this point? Well, yeah. 
It's what well, it's it's not just U.S. citizens; it's people all over the world. It, it's it's so uh, one of the things that um, a number of especially liberal politicians pushing for gun reform. They say people on the terrorist watch list shouldn't be able to buy a gun, um, which is something like everyone's like, well, duh, no, they shouldn't. Yeah, the no, problem sure. is, is that the way you wind up on that list is completely arbitrary. There is no due process to getting on to that list. Like if you buy too much fertilizer, yeah, you're on the list. You might be Even on though that it's list. like, oh, I just, you know. Having accidentally interacted with someone online or interacted with someone who interacted with someone who interacted with someone from ISIS or Hezbollah or something, you may be yeah. labeled a suspected terrorist yeah. and what end up Google on anarchist book just because you don't know what it is. You might watch be list. on that. I mean with the We're with, all on that watch with list. the way people wind up on it, it's it's insane. So walking to a gun store um, on the watch list. It's been one of those things that's like, you know, people have said, Oh, it's a good thing because it can keep track of terrorists. Well the thing is it's the same kind of thing that defenders of like the Patriot Act, you know, it's what keeps this country safe. I'm like, well, one Patriot Act needs to go. Yeah, one actually, there's very little evidence to support that. But two, even if it does, I mean, how do we balance that with the civil liberties? Because the Patriot Act, as it stands, completely tramples on our civil liberties. And the terrorist watch list, the this list of known or suspected terrorists, um, it is another thing that, in this judge's opinion, uh, Judge Anthony Tranga. He uh, it violates the rights of American citizens. Um, it completely tramples on constitutional rights. So uh, I am not. I obviously have not, and I don't necessarily expect to read the entire thirty-two page opinion. But I thought it was. It was. I was surprised. I was surprised because, especially when it comes to this type of national security crap, um, so much of this stuff is done behind closed doors. Is done in FISA courts. Is done where there really isn't any kind of accountability. Or any kind of, of, of oversight, and yet this was ruled unconstitutional. This thing that's kind of been like key to the Department of Homeland Security and the FBI since 9 11, no longer. So that was something I was really happy about this week. That's good. So we'll say that that's my best. My worst is o- Oklahoma's dying too much, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> there was another thing I was going to say, but I don't remember what it was. So uh, we'll just uh, end it there. Season three, we're off to a good start. Woo. Okay, well, I'm glad you're so excited. <laughs> I am, I am excited. I'm excited to be back doing this. I mean, we lost all our listeners because now I went bear hunting, but... Yeah. <laughs> probably all good. To, to be fair, so I, look, going up there, I did think... I, I made the assumption that we were going to harvest, like, the entire bear, like, meat and all, right. and then found out later, I was like, oh, we're, bear meat's terrible in the fall, so we're <laughs> harvesting everything. I was like, oh, so... Not, well, was I wasn't super happy about that. Something tells me not many of our listeners are going to give a shit with our audience. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we will see you next week, folks. Carpe Noctum is a production from Gaudium. For fun, for future. Hosted by Dylan Shoop and Dylan Kiefer. Mixed and edited by Dylan Shoop. Quick thanks to bensound.com for our theme music. Join us again next time.